Welcome to the Learning Forte podcast, where we hold conversations with hybrid leaders who are navigating change, experimenting with new ways to form community, and pursuing the common good. Our guests for these episodes are so brilliant and the content so life-giving, we wanted to make portions of them available to all of you. This podcast began as a part of our Strategic Imagination Sandbox, an online learning cohort experience for hybrid leaders. You can learn more about that at www.learningforte.com. While we have plans for more guests on future episodes beyond the scope of the sandbox, for now, we're sharing 15 minute or so portions of longer three-part conversations that have shaped this program. We hope you enjoy and share and find that this content supports your values-aligned leadership in hybrid spaces. Again, welcome to the Strategic Imagination Sandbox hosted by Learning Forte. I am Greg Klumovitz, Head of Leadership Development and Lead Convener for the Strategic Imagination Sandbox. We are eager to dive into Episode 6 and focus on near-term actions to generate long-term impact. Um, but this month, uh, folks, in addition to Stacy Williams-Duncan and me, I am grateful our guest is someone who also knows quite a bit about focus efforts vital for collaboration, someone both Stacy and I have worked with frequently over the years. The Reverend Keith Anderson is a pastor ordained in the ELCA. He serves as the pastor at Upper Dublin Lutheran Church in Ambler, Pennsylvania. He's the author of The Digital Cathedral, Networked Ministry in a Wireless World, by Morehouse 2015 and co-author with Elizabeth Drescher of Click to Save Reboot, the digital ministry Bible through church publishing in 2018, the second edition of their popular book. Keith was a pioneer in digital ministry and has been chronicling for over a decade the ways in which digital technologies shape churches in their ministries. As a pastor, Keith has been applying these learnings to the practice of parish ministry in a post-COVID environment. And he has led his congregation in restructuring its staffing model, adopting a renewed statement of their mission, vision, and values, authoring a strategic plan for 21st century ministry, becoming a reconciling in Christ congregation, the Lutheran designation for being an open and affirming church, and establishing new processes, procedures, and systems in a post-pandemic environment. Wow. Keith, welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here. Now, that's what the website says about you. That's kind of the bio that we get from you when we're in more of a professional space and setting. But how would you share who you are and what you do if you were in the elevator with us sipping lobby level coffee and you were getting off the third floor? Uh, as we always say a little bit briefly. <laughs> that's a good question. So I would say uh, maybe I'm a Bostonian, at least at heart, living in Philadelphia. I'm a Lutheran that works with a lot of Episcopalians. Um, I'm big into digital ministry, but really rooted in parish work. I think a lot about church history, but I also think a lot about its future. So um, kind of holding all of those different things together. I also have four kids and two dogs. 
And a brief sidebar um, related to my relationship with Keith. Uh, Keith was, was serving as a pastor uh, when I was in a previous line of work, and uh, I was reading his book, Digital Cathedral, and I just want to give a quick shout-out to that book. In all honesty, it was uh, a game-changer for me when I first read that as I was doing my work. So for folks that are interested, that's definitely a pickup for you. Um, as we continue on, Keith, you're someone who speaks and writes quite a bit uh, especially on the topic of digital ministry. So naturally, you are quite familiar with change. What have you learned about change that has allowed you to move towards long-term impact in your vocation? And and even more so, how has your relationship with change even changed? <laughs> I think my relationship with change has changed a lot during the COVID uh, period. Um, but I think my biggest learning when it comes to change has really been how to make change at a broader and deeper scale. Um, in a large, serving a larger congregation um, than the first congregation I served, and with the amount of things that we've had to do coming out of COVID and to uh, accomplish. So sort of learning, what do I bring to the process of change, which is, I've learned more around visioning, and what are the other things that, that other people bring to the process I work really well when I'm surrounded by people who are engineers or engineering-minded, who can help build the vehicle to get us to where we we want to go. So I've sort of learned um, a little bit more about how to work together as a team and how these different um, talents, skills, abilities, and experiences kind of play in to help us to get you know a larger organization further down the road to where we want to be. You would think that we asked Keith to just say exactly that because we're really convinced that collaboration is one of the keys to impact. And it's exactly for what you described, Keith, is none of us bring to this the entire picture of what a community needs. Mm -hmm. We all do different pieces of it. And I just love how you articulated that distinction between someone who might be an engineer versus engineer thinking, um, which might broaden out who we assume could play different roles in our communities. I think, um, you know, in my um, er earlier relationship to change, I was really focused on um, how much I could do, create, you know, and and um, and what I could affect by a program that I started or a digital project that I did and sort of trying to move the whole forward. Um, and that probably was a little easier in a smaller congregation when I served a, a congregation uh, of that size. And um, just realizing that for more sustainable systemic change, I had to bring, you know, kind of allow more people into that and figure out how, how we all do that together. And that's really been the thing over the last few years that's allowed us to go much further and faster, actually, even though more people are involved than, uh, than we would have otherwise. The more people that are involved, uh, that's, that's a key component. Um, and I think of the, the title of <laughs> this movement, or at least this month in this movement, is about near-term versus for long-term impact. And so I'm wondering how your work with engineers and those that you have surrounded yourself with has really contributed to how your relationship with change maybe has shifted. They've actually helped me think about how I organize my thoughts, even about vision and change. And um, I've become a really big fan of uh, vision decks. You know, so they're like, capture what your thoughts are, get them down, put them in a deck of some kind. Um, 
that usually works for me, organizing my thoughts along, you know, slides and, and what comes next and the structure and so forth. So they really encouraged me to kind of think about a way for me to get those out and get those structured in a way that then people could absorb it, read it, and then react to it, and then help to start organize it. So to sort of sort of like a trajectory and raw materials. And then people would get in, and then it just wasn't in my head. It didn't belong to me. We circulated it. We shared it. We tweaked it. And then that led to, well, then how do we get from this vision to, you know, how, how do we actually do the, the steps? And that led us to creating a strategic plan. Um, which is now leading us to restructure our, our volunteer teams and re completely rethink our teams and also rethinking about our, our st staffing structure to support it. So um, I would have to say I was always skeptical about like the mission, vision, and values thing because it always felt like people would sit around for a long time, come up with a mission statement, and then do nothing about it. But because we have people who are so sort of engineering-minded and can really you know, build the, the thing out. We went from mission, vision, and values, a new statement on that, to what does the strategic plan look that supports that, to then how do we organize ourselves to accomplish those things. So in the sandbox, uh, we've talked a lot about having clarity of both our personal and organizational values, uh, given that we've just kind of steered this conversation in this direction. So wondering, Keith, how, how this has been a part of not only your work as a leader in the congregation, but knowing you quite well, I know that you're also very active in your community. So how, how does that play out? Yeah, I think um, the clearer we are on our mission, vision, and values and living those here you know, it's it's in, it's enabled us to connect more with our community. I think coming out of COVID, you know, just as what you guys were saying was, it wasn't like how are we going to do this. It was like how do we take who we, who are we? You know, like we were apart for a long time, and coming back together was like, are we still the same church? Who are we as a community? What do we value? Um, so there was in that kind of reconvening and coming back together, you know, it was really rooted in who are we and what do we value and the nature of our community and being true to that and authentic to that and knowing we're just going to live that out in some new ways in this environment and sort of being clear about that sort of has enabled us to to serve our community better um you know um we had a tornado come through upper dublin and, you know, tornadoes don't happen here. And um, but it, it was a quarter mile south of the church. So this tornado hit and we weren't sure what to do, but we needed to do something. And so we got some food from our local food pantry. We opened up our building and it turned in we became the hub for our community. So our fellowship hall. That's where everybody donated everything. That's where everybody picked everything up. It was in and out. Um, we raised uh, like thirty eight thousand dollars in funds for tornado relief, and we gave most of that out in grants. We finally gave the final disbursement. Um, so our heart is to serve. That's who we are as a church. It's one of you know the top three things I'd say like you, you would use to describe us. And um, even though we were still coming out of COVID and getting our sea legs, actually that service allowed us to kind of remember who we are and get engaged in, in the community and service, you know, and kind of reboot that. You know, what's interesting is I, I, I vividly remember that tornado um, because we were working in the same communities at the time. And um, I remember even driving home 
um, right before that tornado hit. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because it would be easy to talk to someone who's so versed in digital ministry <laughs> about objectives and leading in the midst of change to start talking about the pandemic because hmm. everything went virtual. But what is really interesting when we think about near-term actions and long-term impact, it seems like a clarity of objectives allows you to respond to the near-term issues like a tornado just as much as it allows you to respond to something like a global pandemic. Yeah, I, I think so much of it, and I will say, God, we struggled like everybody else, but um, if, you, if you know who you are, <laughs> if, you know, as a congregation, you can really figure out a lot. Um, and I think, um, you know, like everybody else, how do we do, you know, in the pandemic, how do we do digital worship? You know, what does this look like? What are the choices that we make? And we make them because this is who we are as a congregation. Um, you know, uh, when something, when a tornado hits, it's, you just go into action because that's what your neighbors need, but that's also who we are. So it wasn't even a question. It, it took, you know, a the next day we had food in our building and we were starting to, to serve and go, go to people because they couldn't come to us. Um, so COVID really, COVID made us really appreciate and cherish who we are because a lot of who we are was kind of taken away from us with the relational part and the community part, um, not being able to really serve face to face and hands on. Um, so it really made us cherish the things that made us us. And um, the visioning process really allowed us to crystallize that and say, this is how we're going to carry this forward. This is how we're going to continue to be us um, into the future. We've also, in the process of the last couple of years, become a Reconciling in Christ congregation, which is an open and affirming congregation for LGBTQIA plus uh, persons. And, um, you know, this is a church that, like many churches will say, is a very welcoming church. Um, but we needed to take that next step for the people who are in our church and people who are in our community. And so in an 18-month process, we, we, be, we received that official designation, and we continue to, to live into that and celebrate that. Um, but getting some real clarity on what are those values enables us to communicate who we are and are welcome to, to people in our community. The last part of our conversations with some of our folks in this program has talked a lot about clarifying the distinction between our organizational values and our personal values. And there's always this temptation that our organizational values become our personal values or the only values we have as individual leaders are those of our organization, and then we get too enmeshed in them. Um, and so we've talked a lot about what does it mean to kind of pull them apart a little bit and do some of the internal work, but also reminding leaders that your personal values are your values regardless of where you're employed. <laughs> like, And I know that you, like I've said, like you're someone who's not only involved in the community as a pastor of the church, but you're involved in work outside of your identity as a clergy member of that congregation you're involved in your community how has that work been mm -hmm. shaped by a an understanding of your personal values i think um some time ago i really struggled with this um it was some time ago and i you know the the church and i were in different places on on certain things and um i think i realized you know we're in different places and 
these things these these things are important to me and uh, I you know I need to live out these values and these concerns and the sense of urgency I have around them outside of the church if I keep trying to get the church to to sort of convince the church that these things are important we're just going to both be banging our heads against the wall the church is just not in that place right now so i sort of said this is what i can do within the church but there's so much i can do outside of the church in the community and get involved in other ways and you know i chose to do that i have to say a lot of those were around inclusion and diversity and equity um and um, in that time, some years ago, the church was just not in that place where I really wanted it to be and realized it's just not fruitful for me to keep, you know, at that. So, um, but now that, but now we've become reconciling in Christ. So in time that, that happened and also the connections that we've made in our community by virtue of being more involved and finding other ways to, to help, to advocate, um, those are coming together, you know, so Maybe part of it was about timing, but part of it is I just had to sort of back off for my sake and their sake, probably. Um, but here now here we are. Yeah, it, you and I both have a story of that experience of being just not there at the same time with our congregations. And we're both really blessed that we can sit here today and say they've both gotten there. Um, but I also know that there were moments where I was really clear that I had to figure out what the time horizon was for me and for my family in order to allow them to get there, right? And and I think that as leaders, especially congregational leaders or um, other nonprofit leaders are listening and hearing us think about this, I don't ever wanna tell our stories in a way that we gloss over those hard moments when we were having those hard conversations about, or at least in our household about, yeah. Okay, they're not quite there. They've asked for some more teaching. They've asked for some more Bible study. Mm -hmm. We're going to give that to them. I'm going to, Stacey's going to give that to them. And how long mm -hmm. do we wait? When would it become such a values disconnect that we couldn't stay? And I think that was just a really important thing to acknowledge. Um, mm -hmm. And I never had those conversations publicly with them, but I sure had those conversations publicly in my house yes. and with my close friends, mm -hmm. right? So it was never a, oh, you better, or we're going to leave. But it was a, how long do we have to invest in this? Yeah. Um, so I think that's an important thing to recognize too, is that sometimes that timing really works itself out. And we've all grieved with colleagues who it hasn't worked itself out. Well, a final question we have for this part of, of our conversation with you, Keith, has to do actually with collaboration. And I mean, we could talk about objectives impacting our vision for the organization. But what about when it comes to partnering or inviting people into this vision? How has that um, that sense of clear objectives and, and values alignment uh, related to your ability to collaborate with others? I guess, uh, you know, at our church, I've always felt that one of our strengths is we have really wonderful lay leaders who are, you know, have a really are grounded in their faith and are just super capable. And um, I just don't know that they've really have been given the full kind of go in terms of being empowered to really live that out. Um, 
it's strange to say because there are so many people here that do so many things, but you know, my style just tends to be more of um, seeing what people are are bringing and and just a real interest in in that and figuring out how all the that fits together. So um, we've really been trying to amplify lay voices, lay leadership, um, and that's really been a gift of this process. Um, so it's it's there. It's really if you came, you would recognize it. But I feel like it's um, somehow hasn't been as uh, as tapped, and I feel it's one of the great strengths of this church. So we've been been working on that, um, and that's yeah made a made a big difference in terms of the number of people engaged with it, how they're communicating with one another, how they're communicating with the church. I think that one of the challenges as a startup is that. If I don't have clarity of my objectives, then I have found that there are times in which I get excited in the moment and commit to collaboration that in the end took me on a really interesting side journey. But at the very end of the collaboration, I didn't actually move forward. Um, And I think that's the piece that I've really learned is that there are lots of exciting things in the world and I am somebody that can see lots of potential. But if I don't have my clarity of my objectives in order to filter opportunities that come, then I'm not sure which collaboration to seek out and when to say yes. And um, that's been a really hard, that's been a hard lesson to learn in the first four years of learning Forte. Yeah. So. yeah. I was thinking that every, every near-term thing takes you further somewhere. And is that further somewhere taking you closer to the place you want to be, or is it just taking you somewhere else? <laughs> and um, sometimes you can know that in the moment, and sometimes you can't. But just even asking the question, is is this moving toward the place that I want to be, or we envision, or hope to be? Or would this be just a great thing to explore, and we know going in that that's what that is? And that's okay, too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Forte podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it in your social spaces. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Imagination Sandbox or enrolling in an upcoming cohort, be sure to visit our website at www.learningforte.com.